Our scripture reading this morning is from the Revised Standard Version of the Bible. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards of the tomb shook and became dead like men. Became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see this place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message to you. So the two Marys left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus was there to meet them, and he said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers and sisters to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sherry. It's the Reverend Sherry Brown. You can tell she's done that before. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was in high school, I wore contact lenses almost every day. One early morning, I was putting the second lens in the appropriate eye when I dropped it. I looked on the sink and on the faucet, on the counter and on the floor to no avail. And this was before contacts came in the disposable multi-packs. So losing one was a bigger deal than it might be today. So I began to panic. It was nowhere to be seen until my dad came to help me. He followed my same search routine with one important difference. When he reached the floor, he looked up. And there he saw my little contact balancing ever so delicately on the base of the faucet. I had looked right at it, right over it, with an aerial view and had completely missed it. So much of what we see depends on our perspective. 
This is true of our literal sight, but also of our insight. Let's take the women who were walking to the tomb of Jesus early that Sunday morning long ago, Mary and Mary. They had seen so much in the previous days. They had seen the arrest of Jesus and his trial, his torture and his death, and suddenly they were filled, surely they were filled, with confusion and grief, anger, and disbelief, and understandably, they came to the tomb expecting to find the decay of death. But everything about the first line of the passage that Sherry just read for us points to something else. It points to just the opposite. This part of the story takes place after the Sabbath on the first day of the week at dawn, the first light of day. The hour being what it was, these women were the first to witness the events that would unfold. First, first, first. From our perspective, 2,000 years later, knowing these words by heart, it's easy for us to see what the author is doing, repeating these words of first to build the case for newness and new life. And that is exactly what the women encounter. First, the earthquake. In those days, such a violent natural event could be interpreted as God-ordained destruction. But it also could be viewed as a sign of change, a sign of transformation, good things to come. This particular earthquake brought with it an angel, a heavenly messenger who had the appearance of lightning. Lightning, too, could have been interpreted as a sign of God's anger and wrath, or it could be seen as evidence of God's glory and God's majesty, God's power and God's sovereignty. The angel's clothes are described as white as snow. Snow white was a common description of the sores of leprosy, indicating a slow and rotting death. But snow also symbolizes cleanliness a new beginning, earthquake, lightning, snow, all three would have been known as sky events in those days, heavenly events. And the combination of these three words with the words of the angel point to something promising, something new. Do not be afraid, the messenger said. It's a familiar command. The same words that the angel spoke to Mother Mary when she was told that she would bring Jesus into the world. Do not be afraid. These are the same words that Jesus would say to the women later when they were on the way to tell the disciples what they had seen and not seen. Do not be afraid. These four little words make quite the common refrain in our holy text in stressful, often unbelievable moments when the situation when what was seen didn't quite add up to what was thought to be true. Don't be afraid. Because we are, aren't we? When We become afraid when we feel like we cannot trust what we see, when we cannot trust what we think we know, when our perspective just might need to change, but we're not sure if we can change with it. The women are afraid. That's what the text tells us. They hear the words of the angel. I know you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. See for yourselves. Tell his friends. And they run. 
afraid, but also filled with joy. Filled with joy. Maybe Mary and Mary didn't fully understand at the moment, but they knew what they had seen, an empty tomb. It was not what they had expected. So now everything else had the potential to look different too, to hold a possibility, to, to bring a new reality even. Now they had the perspective to see the risen Jesus when he appeared before them. So much of our perspective depends on what it is we're looking for. That's one of the premises behind some of the most famous optical illusions. Maybe you recognize this one. It was first presented in 1899 by American psychologist Joseph Jastrow. What do you see? A duck and a bunny. For those of you who saw the rabbit first, can you also see the duck? Yeah. If you look at the rabbit ears, it can become the duck bill. And the duck bill can become the rabbit ears. For those of you who saw both, how long did it take you? You saw it right away. You're going to like this. The drawing was first used by Jastrow to make the point that perception is not just what a person sees, but also a mental activity. The research was built around how quickly participants could change their perception of the drawing to switch between the two animals, the duck and the rabbit. It's also interesting to note that the time of year made a difference. At the opening of duck season, more people saw the duck first. And on Easter Sunday, more people see the rabbit first. That's right. Researchers concluded, Amanda, this is for you because you saw it right away. The researchers concluded that the faster a person could switch back and forth, the quicker the brain works and the greater the capacity for creativity for seeing what others might not be so ready to see. Let's try another one, want to? This is another famous one. It's called The Wife and the Mother-in-Law. It originated in Germany in 1888. How many see a young woman? How many see an old woman? An old woman, an older woman. Look at the line in the bottom left. It could be a necklace for the young woman or the mouth of the older woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once you see that line, you can probably see both images, right? Want to try one more? How many feet do you see? Four, seven, six, a lot. Four or five is the most common answer. This is a little more recent, actually. It was published in 1990 in the book Mind Sights by Roger Shepard. It's a trick question because the legs and the feet don't actually connect, so it's relying on figure ground confusion to create the illusion. This drawing is often known as the impossible elephant. These three optical illusions may be silly examples, but the truth remains that so much of what we see depends on our perspective. And so much of our perspective depends 
on what it is that we are really looking for. The women had come to the tomb to prepare a lifeless body with spices. Their encounter with the messenger and the signs from heaven shifted their perspective to the point that the words that would have seemed impossible just moments earlier, he's not here, he's risen, become good news. The new perspective was just enough to enable him, enable them to hear the really good news from Jesus in the flesh. Go and tell my friends that they will see me. They will see me. It's the best news. It's why we're here today. We're not here because two women reportedly saw Jesus alive after he had died and then went to tell their friends about it. We're not here to hear one more time this old story, this ancient story that's still widely refuted. We're not here because Jesus rose from the grave one day long ago. We are here because Jesus is alive, because Jesus lives today. And if that is something we really believe, then we can expect to see him. Now, before you dismiss me as being overzealous on an Easter Sunday, Remember that that's what he said himself. Jesus said, they will see me. And yes, for those who knew him well in those days, that meant they would literally see him in about eight resurrection appearances over a period of 40 days. But for us, the statement still rings true every time we see someone live in countercultural ways that Jesus taught us, every time we live that way ourselves. And yes, I realize that that could seem incredibly cheesy, but this is the way that we live on, isn't it? And the legacy that we leave, and the way that we affect other people's lives, the way that they live differently because of us, And if you have ever seen someone change to live just a little bit more like Jesus did, or if you have ever encountered that change for yourself, then you know that that transformation is no less a miracle than bringing somebody back from the dead. It is a form of new life. Learning to forgive and offer grace and put the needs of others before our own, it makes the world more vibrant, more colorful. It sets the colors free like a prism. Prisms are ordinary objects or cuts of glass or even plastic that catch the light waves as they arrive and separate them to reflect individual colors, revealing often a rainbow, the promise of God's never-ending love for all people. They make visible for us what would otherwise go unseen. So I do have prisms for everyone here today. I hope you all have one. If you don't, raise your hand and Angie will bring it to you. For the kiddos, we have kaleidoscopes. And if you are worshiping online and you would like either one of these things, just let me know and we'll make sure that they come to you. Just raise your hand and keep it raised. And go ahead and take a look if you're able. Take your prism. I I know it looks a little funny. Nobody's going to judge you. Hold it up to the light, move it around, take a look at the different angles, perhaps the colors that are reflecting. This is what it is like to see Jesus today. As his teachings of empathy and compassion are reflected in our own actions, 
But it's not just about what we literally see. It's also a mental activity. We have to set our minds to look for the good, to look for the transformation, to look for the new life. We'll miss it. If we're looking for the wrong things or if our perspective is off, if we find ourselves looking down in an aerial view when what we need to be doing is looking up at the sky events, it's easy to do in a time like this. It's easy to look down instead of looking up. The good news is that a corrective lens, a healthier and clearer perspective is always available to us if we're willing to hold on to the promise that Jesus gave the women on that first Easter morning. They will see me. Because, beloved, Christ is risen Christ is risen in you and in me. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth continue to resonate in our hearts as we move forward on this day, trusting that you are at work revealing to us your presence and your work in the world, inviting us to come along, to come alongside you in that work, to be a part of the transformation that you are working in the world. Above all, may we remember that we are not alone, that you are with us, because Jesus lives. Amen.